What's up, everyone? I want to tell you guys about my friends over at GT Nursery. Green Touch Nursery is located at 8842 Park Street in Bellflower, California, 90706. Oscar, the owner of this nursery, is a dear friend of mine and was actually a guest on this podcast on episode number 28 titled The Shed with his brother Edgar. Make sure to check that out. Oscar's been growing plants since he was 10 years old and was exposed to nurseries his entire life. His family owned multiple nurseries, so he grew up working in these places and lives and breathes plants every single day. He opened this place up back in February 2015. They are open on weekdays 8 to 4 and weekends 9 to 3. They specialize in cacti and succulents from all over the world. And let me tell you, with Oscar, the knowledge goes deep. This dude is constantly in the field doing research, going to botanical gardens, getting with really experienced growers and asking all kinds of questions. So you don't just get a plant, but you get the knowledge and passion behind this place. And that can really be felt when you're there. Their mission is to create a community of like-minded individuals from all walks of life that enjoy beautiful plants. I would say they have succeeded in their mission. I've attended multiple plant swaps and meetups. And this place is really like a home base for the for those of us in the local community. They also host these big sales where he brings in vendors from all over the place, really bringing amazing and obscure plants to the table. You need to head over to their Instagram at GT Nursery. I will make sure to plug a link to all of their socials and content in the description of every episode. He does these live auctions every Wednesday evening, and it's a lot of fun. He's constantly uplifting other members of the community and really giving other people an opportunity to come on to this very successful auction and sell plants. I've done it a couple times and it's amazing to see the success that they've had. Oscar and Edgar have really dedicated themselves and honed their craft and have been very consistent with these auctions. It's a lot of fun. Even if you're just watching, it's one of my favorite things to do on a Wednesday evening. You can head over to their Instagram for more info. I'm very grateful to have this partnership and to be telling you guys about this place. Green Touch Nursery, 8842 Park Street, Bellflower, California, 90706. Tell them I sent you. Hello, my plant friends. I want to take a moment to talk to you guys about mushrooms. No, not that kind of mushrooms. I'm talking about reishi, chaga, shiitake, maitake, ergo, cordyceps, lion's mane, all these different mushrooms that have been used for thousands of years in Chinese herbal medicine. It is ancient wisdom that there are tons of health benefits to consuming mushrooms of all types. And I recently started supplementing with this company called Real Mushrooms. If you haven't had the chance to listen to episode 38 featuring Jeff Chilton, I highly recommend it. He is the founder of this company and an ethnomycologist who's been studying mushrooms for a really long time. He really breaks it down for us. Another good resource for this information would be the movie Fantastic Fungi. Definitely recommend that. Or you can just click on one of the links in the description of every episode that will take you to articles that outline all the different health benefits of these mushroom supplements. Now, I'm going to run through all the ones that I've actually been taking myself. So Real Mushrooms offers these hot water extracts that are made from the whole fruit body of these mushrooms, and they come in both powder and capsule form. So I've been taking the five defenders in the capsule form, and it's a blend of turkey tail, reishi, maitake, shiitake, and chaga. Now, all of those mushrooms have been proven to boost the immune system. So who couldn't benefit from having a boost in their immune system right now? Another one that I'm taking is the Mushroom D2Z, which is a blend of reishi and chaga only. It is infused with vitamin D and zinc. Now, the vast majority of the population is deficient in vitamin D. So what better way to get it 
than in these mushroom supplements that come with all these other health benefits. Another one that was recommended to me, but I'm taking in the powder form, is chaga. So chaga has been used to help improve issues with digestion. So if you have something like IBD, IBS, I highly recommend this. I've been taking it at night, mixing it with my sleepy time tea, and I've noticed a huge improvement in my digestion problems. So anytime I'm about to do a podcast, I take lion's mane or right before work. Lion's mane has been proven to help with cognition. It is a nootropic that some studies suggest that may even be creating new neural pathways in your brain. So anytime I think I'm going to have to use my brain a lot, I take the lion's mane. And the last one that I'm taking is cordyceps. So cordyceps are used by athletes for performance enhancement, and they're known to really help with endurance and boost your energy levels. So if you're feeling really low energy, start trying this cordyceps. I'm taking it every day and my energy levels are way up. So that's all the ones that I'm taking myself personally that I can speak on, but there's testimonials for every single one on the website of Real Mushrooms, realmushrooms.com. If you're ready to pull the trigger and want to make a purchase and start supplementing these mushrooms, make sure to click on one of the links in the description of my episodes, or you can go to the link in my bio on my Instagram and click the little button that says real mushrooms and it has a little mushroom emoji. Or you can use code if plants could talk at checkout and you'll get 10% off all future orders. However, if you're a first time buyer, you can sign up to get a first time buyer code of 25% off your first order. So definitely do that. It would help me out a lot if you guys use my link and use that code at checkout. So make sure to go check them out. Real mushrooms. This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala is family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This is the house of succulents growing grounds, you guys. I'm talking everything you can possibly imagine in the succulent realm, from your common everyday plants to more rare and obscure imports. They have all kinds of different cacti and euphorbias. They can service your landscaping needs. And they have a bunch of hoop houses dedicated to houseplants. And I go to Sergio anytime I have to do a pop-up. Anytime I'm going to do a pop-up, I go to them. And I keep my shop stocked by supporting Mezcala. They have everything you need in one place. Mezcala is also on Instagram, at Mezcala Nursery. They keep their stories updated daily of these plants that can come and go really quickly. You could miss it. Make sure to go show them some love. It's also very family-friendly, and the customer service is on point. I'm there all the time. I bring my kids with me. They always have a great time. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805, Mezcala Nursery. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. This conversation took place on September 17th, 2021, with my guest Mona of The Prickly Pear. Mona joined me virtually today from Sacramento, California, where her succulent and cactus shop is located. It is a nursery with purpose. She offers services to adults with disabilities to practice gardening, which I thought was really cool. She also has a skincare line called PP Body that utilizes cactus oil for skincare. You can find that on Instagram at ppbody.co or you can go to her 
prickly pear page at the dot prickly dot pear. She's also got a website called thepricklypear.com. I will plug links to all of her stuff in the description of this episode. Mona is super rad. She's a lot of fun. I had a great time talking to her today. Her content is amazing. You have to go check out her page. She has these hilarious reels and she's just not afraid to be herself, which I really appreciate. I hope that you guys enjoy. Here's Mona. We are live. Mona of the Prickly Pear and Peepee Body is here with me today. <laughs> What's Hi. up, Mona? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. I'd like to start by saying uh, your content, I you have me laughing all the time. I'm dying. <laughs> your marketing is genius and your Thank reels, you. it, you're so like authentically yourself and not Thank afraid to, to show yourself, which I really appreciate. And I think we need more of in the plant community. I appreciate that. Um, that's really at the forefront of my mind with everything that I do. Authenticity is my jam. So, you know, I, I've always wanted to cultivate that ever since I started the prickly pear. And when was that? Um, <clears throat> I started the prickly pear in 2017. It was summer, like July ish, okay. 2017. So and it was it not my life plan to be a business owner, but it just happened. So that's awesome. What oh, I guess yeah. we'll get there in a little bit. Why don't you? Why don't we start with some basics? Where are you from? Where are you talking yeah. to me from? Actually, currently, you're in Sacramento, yeah. correct? Yeah, I'm in Sacramento, California, in uh, my office, and but I'm originally from Arizona. Okay. Um, my family is first generation. Gen, uh, immigrants here so they came here from Iran my mom and dad came here when they were 18 okay so uh yeah that is you know my backstory and then they landed in Arizona and I grew up in the desert do you get misidentified as Hispanic ever you know I I do but not as much as Italian okay when you see me in in, in certain angles I've got an Italian like nose I've got this like look to me that's pretty Italian and so a lot of people ask me that but uh, with the dark hair, you know, and the, the skin color, you know, it's generally people kind of guess that I'm like Middle Easterner. But yeah, sometimes I get Hispanic, but mostly I get Italian, which is, you know, different for me. Yeah, I asked because that's kind of what I assumed. And I'm Filipino and people assume I'm Hispanic all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. but that's rad that your family's from yeah. Iran. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool for sure. So were you exposed, so, you were exposed to cactus and habitat pretty early then? Yeah. Right? Um, I was born actually in South Carolina, but what we spent maybe three weeks there. And then my parents moved to Arizona. So I spent 27 years of my life in Arizona. So really born and raised for me there because that's all I remember. So yeah, the desert was my home. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what I grew up around. I mean, we, I remember my mom's always loved plants. And so we would go on walks when we were little and there were a barrel cacti and all sorts of cactuses all around. And she'd just like pick off fruit, kind of <laughs> open it up while we're walking and peel off the juice and the meat and be like, taste it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, that was just like the norm for us. And I don't even remember her even complaining about getting pokes in her hands. Mm. You know, I just, it was just like, that's what my mom did. <laughs> that's so funny because I've seen some of your videos where you're going and harvesting prickly pear fruit and yeah. you're like, I'm not afraid of these thorns <laughs> and you just grab them. And 
I know. And people are like, they're like, wow, you're so good at it. I still get poked, but it's like your body kind of gets used to it. And also, you know how to maneuver your hands where you're like, oh, I'm going to get poked on this side of my hand. And then just don't use this side, you know, for the rest <laughs> of the project. And then I'll pluck it out later. Oh, okay. You know, so it's very like, you know, I'm pretty good at dodging spikes, but it still happens. And there is no like glorious glove that protects you from cactus spikes. You know, it yeah. just comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you originally like start to collect or go towards plants? Yeah, it didn't really happen till I left Arizona. I was 27 years old. And um, like most of us do, I went through a really, really hard breakup. Mm. And that was what I'm going on 10 years ago. I'm 36 now. Okay. No, that's nine years ago. And my mom would always send us to nature or on a trip into like camping or something to a national park whenever we're going through hardship. Mm. And um I remember going through this breakup and my mom's like, well, why don't you go to Lake Tahoe? And I was like, oh, I've never been there. And so I went there with a couple of my cousins, ended up loving it and moving there six months later. And when I left the desert, all of a sudden, I just was like collecting succulents and cacti. I just it just kind of like I think I just innately missed it and I didn't even realize it. But I started collecting plants because back in Arizona, I didn't collect plants. Like it was my front yard, backyard, my Mm. parents' house, you know, my sister's house, my apartment. It was just all surrounded by that kind of look. So it's, it wasn't something I thought about collecting. So that's when it started when I had left Arizona. That's cool. So arguably the heartbreak brought you to the plants. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I ended up moving to South Lake Tahoe lived there for a couple of years. It was a blast, especially if you're single. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah. then I, yeah. And then I was like, all right, I think I need to like move to a little bit more goal oriented like city because it was really fun there, but you know, the fish just weren't going to cut it. I was like trying to like settle down at this point, meet someone. And so I ended <laughs> up moving to Sacramento, California, thinking that I was just going to do a pit stop here and then move to San Diego. Mm. And I ended up staying in Sacramento, and that's how I got here. Awesome. Well, Lake Tahoe is beautiful. Some of the bluest water I've ever seen in my entire life. I know. We had a house on the Keys when I was a kid. It's my dad's friend's house that we would stay at for the 4th of July. And the 4th of July is cracking over there. Oh, yeah. It's super fun. (laughs) I mean, honestly, every holiday weekend is just bumping out in Tahoe. Like, it is a great time. Yeah, totally. And you got the casinos right there on the north side. Right? It's a dangerous, dangerously fun place. Sure, sure. So you moved to Sacramento. You had already been collecting by net by this point, and it was yeah. what most cactus and succulents. It was mostly succulents, to be honest, because um, cactuses really you have to be a super hardcore plant person to keep a cactus alive inside. Mm-hmm. Like you just got to know the plant. You got to. It's just a lot, and they generally live their best life outside. But I had this like collection of succulents. And I really wasn't that exposed to succulents until I moved to California because in Arizona, it's so hot. Like you really have the hardy of the hardiest out there of cactuses, agave, um, and succulents can be a little more sensitive. So I started collecting them here and yeah, I would just, I moved a lot during my few years, like kind of figuring out what I was doing here in California. And I would just haul all my succulents with me. 
<laughs> you know, at one point I had like three, 200, 300 succulents and cacti that wow. I, I would, you know, I was kind of a nomad at that time where I didn't, there was like, there was a lot going on. So I would have friends where I would leave my succulent collection at their house mm. because I couldn't accommodate it where I was living. And so, yeah, it just, it just became this like obsession and nobody knew what they were. My friends thought I was crazy. They're like, what do you, you collect succulents? And I was like, yes. And so that's kind of my thing until, you know, I met my husband actually in Sacramento and then we ended up getting settled down here. Now, was there some struggle in those nomadic times? Yeah. I mean, I think like all of us do in our late twenties, I had just turned, um, 30 when I left, uh, South Lake Tahoe and mm -hmm. I was single and I thought to myself, man, like, you know, you go through like when you were 20 and you thought you'd be married at 25 and mm. you know, all these things of, you know, and I'm like, I'm a bright young woman. Like, you know, I'm fit. I'm happy. I try to do be my best every day. And, you know, I didn't, you know, you go through all these weird questioning times and, you know, I was also such a dreamer and I've always just been a free bird. Mm. And uh, my mom likes to call me her wild horse because I just don't like to conform. Mm. And that's where the authenticity is really so important to me because there's just so many societal norms and construct within yes. culture, culture, religion, and just society in general. And it's like we're kind of trained, especially as a female, to live within the confinement of a box. Mm. Don't step outside of it. That's scary. A guy won't love you. A girl won't love you. This won't happen, you know. And I've always just kind of, I've done whatever I wanted. So, yeah, yeah during that time was like this questioning phase. But I just knew that, you know, it'll come to me in time. And I ended up loving it in Sacramento. And I ended up meeting my boyfriend, who is now my husband. and. Yeah. He was a transplant from New Jersey, and we both just loved it here. Mm. I'm wondering how much of that may have been uh, cultural norms as well, being mm -hmm. that you're, where your family's from. Middle Eastern. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, my family uh, is Baha'i. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard sure. of the Baha'i yeah. faith. It's actually a wonderful, wonderful religion. And I, I don't really identify with religion and religious construct anymore. Uh-huh. But it was a really cool religion. And if I decided to be religious again, I probably would be Baha'i. But because um, it's like the most normal. Yeah. But I mean, that's just my opinion. But I just don't I just don't like to put myself mm -hmm. around hard, strict rules. Yeah. And so, you know, that was it. And middle being Middle Eastern, my I was very lucky. My parents are so not Middle Easterners. Like we mm -hmm. have a ton of Persian friends. But my mom and dad are just legitimately so cool. I don't know if we can cuss on this, but I'm going to sure, refrain. Sure, I cuss a lot. I, I'm a, okay, yeah, I was like going to say my parents are really cussing. fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> so they're really, really fucking cool. And um, I actually highlight my mom on my social media a lot because she's just like a gem of a human. And my dad has like the purest heart. And I'm just grateful that I have them in my life, you know. That's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, Baha'i is a great introduction to religion. I, I was raised Catholic. I, I'm, envi I'm envious of that, honestly, because oh. I have read uh, up yeah. on it, and I had a friend that was a practicing to practice whatever Baha'ism. Is that how you say? Yeah, just like a is a Baha'i. Yeah. So have you? So have you carved your own spiritual path uh, 
from that? Do you still have some kind of spirituality in your life? Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I really, I really think I worship mama earth now. Like I kind of am in this space where, and really that roots from what I learned in the Baha'i faith. I mean, a lot of who I am was molded from that. Mm. I think I just generally don't like rules that tell me you're, you know, drinking is not okay or you can't have sex before marriage or like those kind of rules where it's Mm -hmm. like for protection, but it's like, you also got to explore life, like, especially as a female, but, um, mainly like all the other principles of the Baha'i faith are wonderful and it did mold me to who I am today. And so I've kept certain parts of it for sure, very strong in my life, but you know, respecting and and honoring the earth was something I grew up with within that and also within the way my mom raised us Mm. and she would talk to the birds and the trees and the ground and just everything was just so special to her when we were outside and it it kind of created that love for us as well my sister and I so beautiful so it sounds like you kind of have an innate uh, connection to nature thus plants yeah I would say I definitely am spiritual with like the earth (laughs) at this point because I feel like if we all just put mama earth first like corporations and politics you know we would be in such a better place you're absolutely right yeah and the crystals too, right? You've got a you've got yeah. a, a dope collection of crystals, life size well, crystals. I, on your... I definitely have some. Uh, so I have a friend. She's a Native American and grew up in New Mexico, and she's um, a Reiki healer. And mm. I I don't use those words or you know talk about that lightly because I definitely think sometimes social media and trends and fads kind of take advantage of the true authenticity of yes. what. Reiki and crystals and geology and astrological, all that stuff. It's real, but it gets abused. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be a little controversial, but you know, I just, it's so important because there's really authentic people out there that truly like grew up in it, study it and Mm -hmm. believe it and are a part of that world. And so she came through and she's a close friend of mine and she picked out tourmaline, which is a rock of protection. And then the amethyst, which is, yep. Yep. And so amethyst and tourmaline are kind of dispersed through the garden. And you can tell, I mean, the moment you walk into this place, I mean, people are just, you go to another land, you feel safe, there's serenity, you feel calm. Like it's just such a, it's a beautiful space for sure. I love that. I'm going to have to come up there and see it. Yeah. And you're absolutely (laughs) right. Healer is a term that's thrown around quite a bit, you know, so I totally get it. I actually had a guest on. Her name is Janice May. She's a Reiki practitioner. She trained overseas and did this her whole life. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. You should check it out. She's she's a oh, cool. re- true, truly gifted and amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, what about the prickly pear? So you you got married. Yeah. Yep. You're collecting. What about how? Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. Let's go there. Sorry. <laughs> so scatterbrain. I was actually my career. I was a dental hygienist. I I graduated dental hygiene school when I was 23 years old and I never, ever planned on leaving the tooth industry. Like I can talk about still to this day, flossing and electric toothbrushes like nonstop, you know, (laughs) although electric toothbrushes make me mad because they're not very sustainable and they're very wasteful, but I definitely think that can be fixed if corporations tried. But, Mm. um, so, yeah, I I was actually practicing dental hygienist and a hardcore plant collector, plant nerd, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband and I, you know, 
moved in together, my boyfriend at the time, and we had this little apartment and it was 600 square feet and it was a fourplex. And I had literally my succulents and cacti. I really had like probably over 300 at that point. And they were just dispersed across everyone's like front porch Mm. because I couldn't fit it in the house. Obviously they wouldn't survive in it. So, you know, it was like a little family of like, you know, everybody took care of my plants anyways. So, um, I got in this total freak accident in 2017. Um, I won't get into it cause it was just really hard, yeah. but it, it crucially injured my hip mm. and I was immediately put on disability. And I was at my lunch break when I got into this accident and I was supposed to go back and see like my one o'clock patient. I ended up going back to work in excruciating pain. They had to cut my day short. I went to the emergency room. I couldn't go back to work. A lot, a lot, all this stuff went on. I had these x-rays done. They found out I had this huge tear in my hip. Mm. I needed to have surgery. But of course, being the earth muffin that I am, I'm like, okay, (laughs) let me try to give myself like six months to try to heal naturally. Didn't work. Ended up having to schedule for surgery. I was just so nervous because the surgery was very invasive. Mm in my opinion, um, because don't do it. I mean, do it. I don't know what to tell you. But when you YouTube a surgery, and you see what actually (laughs) happens to your body, you're like, Oh, my God, I can't do this. So that's, that's what actually started the prickly pear that accident was so painful and so difficult for me and actually changed my life and the way I could move my body permanently. um, But also birthed the prickly pear from it because Mm. I had nothing to do. You know, I have an, a dental hygiene degree. I don't have any other experience. Um, I had always dabbled with hobbies, right? So I like plants. I loved photography, but I was no super professional photographer. I just did it here and there. And, um, and, and I just, you know, was at home sad. And I thought I'm not a sad person. I want to pull myself out of this. What do I like to do? I like plants. I like people. I looked to Sacramento because I never bought any of my plants in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a plant culture here back then. And I thought, well, maybe I could start something. And that's literally how the prickly pear started. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So did you start on Instagram or did you like do Etsy? What what did you do in the beginning? Yeah, I I literally was like, okay, if I'm going to sell plants, you know, succulents specifically, I want to propagate them and I want to have my own pot design. Mm. And I thought, what do I love? And I was sitting with a friend and everything in our house is in Mason jars Mm. and I love Mason jars. So I was like, she was like, what, what about like using your Mason jars? I was like, well, I'd have to learn how to make a hole in the glass Mm -hmm. to make it legitimate with drainage. Cause it's, you got to give your plants its best opportunity to live its best life, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I YouTubed how to drill a hole through glass. (coughs) And I taught myself in my kitchen with my like hobbling hip, how to drill through glass. And, you know, that was like, okay, I have this signature pot design. And I started painting them different colors. And I thought, okay, I I didn't have business cards. I was like, I'll like use social media. Don't people use social media? And so I turned to Instagram and I looked up like businesses, plant shops. There really wasn't anything going on in Sacramento at that point mm-hmm. in the plant world. And, and that's how I started. I, I thought of the prickly pear. I thought of three different names and I liked prickly pear because I grew up around these type of and sure. all types of prickly pear cacti in Arizona. And I thought, 
you know, that's such a fun name, it is. you know, it was engaging is cute. And, and like, people didn't know anything about like Hispanic people knew about prickly pear, but like most people didn't, yeah. um, unless you grew up around it in Arizona. And so that's how it started. So I look, I, I, you know, created the prickly pear account with zero followers in 2017 and told my friends to follow me and my family, they all thought I was crazy. And of course, and, and then it just slowly took off. I mean, I did a lot within that to make it work but that's awesome yeah the name is very catchy and familiar and uh, you know just like super cute the prickly pear yeah you know prickly pears are cute and now you see prickly pears like all over shirts mugs it's everywhere crazy you know? i never thought that would happen that's when it was like what i walked into ikea what two years ago it was i think it was the beginning of the pandemic or right before and i had been in business for what four i'm going on five years and I'm looking at the shower curtains and there's one of prickly pear cactuses. And I'm like, what? When did a prickly pear cactus become cool? Yeah, like, ca yeah cactus so, are booming now. I know. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's great though for people that like us that are in the business of selling plants or I mean, the, wonderful. Especially <laughs> when you were like authentically there before it booms, like it feels even more special and sacred where it's like, mm. cool. Like this was something we really loved. And then now the, the world is enjoying that love as well. Yeah. That's cool. When did you start collecting houseplants? Cause I know you've got a plethora of houseplants, some dope yeah. ones too. Yeah. You know, I, I think once you, so my, once the prickly pear started kind of growing, it was almost like within three months, like it wasn't like I was sitting there doing nothing and it just took, uh -huh. I was like, just trying to put myself out there. I was looking into like, how do you become a part of a farmer's market? Mm. You know, how do you get a business license? Asking a lot of questions, asking a lot of the wrong people, the, the questions I needed answers to, and they try to point me in the right direction. And, you know, I, um, I, uh, I lost track of your question. Houseplants. Houseplants. Yeah. So as I kept growing prickly pear, um, I, I just, you just naturally like on your Instagram, because you know, your phone's always listening to you. Mm -hmm. Things would like pop up in my discovery of like a tropical plant. And listen, I grew up around tropical plants too. My mom's house inside is full of them. Cool. And so, you know, I, I never thought I'd get that much into it. And then my sister, prior to me becoming a, a tropical plant collector as well, she was obsessed with tropical plants before, and she's not even into cacti still. Mm. Like she loves tropical plants. So her house is covered in them. And so I just started like little by little doing the easy plants like pothos because they just grow like a little waterfall. And I really like that look. And then as you get into it, you start like learning more about them. Mm -hmm. Then you see pictures of like really cool ones. And then I wanted to learn more about it. And I would just like connect with people on social media who did tropical plants and just personally start like buying them for my own collection. Mm -hmm. And then that collection grew huge. <laughs> Rad. So uh, I was going to ask you something about that. Oh, tropicals, cactus, or succulents, if you had to choose? Oh, like uh, for sure. Oh, that's so hard. Really? Oh, man. It's just so hard because you can really only have tropicals. You can't have succulents and cacti inside. Mm -hmm. If I could have succulents and cacti inside and they would survive and just live their best lives, lives inside, I would probably cover my house inside with 
succulents and cactuses more than um, tropicals because mm. they need more water and they're not as sustainable. Sure. And I just lo- live for anything that caters to sustainability. Mm. Well, that's a good segue into your purpose and mission with the prickly pear. I, I know sustainability is a part of it. You also have uh, a service that you offer, a program that you offer, correct? Where you work with adults with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. What's absolutely. That all about? So, yeah. So when I first started, you know, when I got in that accident, opened the prickly pear on Instagram, it was just doing my little hustle. Who knows where it was going? Um, I knew, but everyone else was very doubtful. I just wanted it I termed it as a nursery with purpose and I still have that tagline on my everything because um, I just think our world revolves around instant gratification. And I think that we lose sight of, you know, purpose and intention. And so I wanted people to feel connected to the earth. Great. These plants are amazing, but who makes these plants? Mama Earth makes these plants for our enjoyment and to better our air and better our food and the nutrients in our soil and all the things. Mm -hmm. And so it really, that's why I've always kept purpose involved with it. And nature is therapeutic, right? So it literally heals us in so many ways, like eating it, being around it, breathing it. And so I feel like Therapy through plants is important for everyone mm. and specifically for children and for overlooked communities. And I have, I had a cousin who I didn't see often, but when we would have family reunions, he has disabilities and um, I just loved being around him growing up. I don't, I don't know, but those few times that I would spend vacations with this, with him and the family, I loved being around him. And I think because I didn't like that, I could tell other people were uncomfortable around him. Mm. And I just felt like that's not a good feeling. Why do you have to feel uncomfortable around someone? Why can't you just see like someone for who they are and, Mm. and share love? (laughs) And so Um, that's where it started. So working with adults with disabilities or developmental challenges or anything like that was something that I always wanted to be around at some point in my life. So throughout my years growing up in Arizona, I actually volunteered with Tempe Arc, um, which was a group, an organization funded by the state for adults past the age of 22, when there's not a lot of programs for them anymore. I'm going to, I need to take a drink because I got some in the throat. It sounds like to me, like you wanted to uh, protect this disabled family member. Yeah, I think a sense of protection and acceptance. Yeah, I felt I felt I always felt very free. Like I was a very goofy, like fun child in the sense of like, I did hikes kind of solo, like people thought I was kind of weird, but I didn't care. I thought I was so funny. And I just liked having a good time. And I wanted to bring joy. And I think that you know, I wanted to do that with every single person, regardless of who they are, what they look like, how they act. And Mm. so, um, yeah, it was. And so, you know, as because of that introduction at such a young age, I just gravitated towards that. And even in dental hygiene school, I wanted to work with the adult with disability school to clean their teeth Mm. because you have to practice on all different kinds of, of people. And I specifically wanted to do that because I feel super comfortable being around people that are different from me and I want them to feel accepted Mm. and um, welcomed. 
And so, yeah, it just kind of was always a part of my life. And so when I moved to California, there wasn't a lot of programs at all really in Tahoe for it. And then I came here and when I started Prickly Pear, I was able to like incorporate working with them and plants into the Prickly Pear. Mm. Now, how did you create this like modality of the, of the program? Did you base it off anything that you've seen working or did you just create it from scratch yourself? Totally from scratch. I had mm. no idea what I was doing. I think most of the stuff I've implemented in my business have literally just been random creative ideas that sure. I'll like think of. Um, and I'm sure I've grabbed inspiration here and there, but I really try to keep honor that creative thinking space. But yeah, I, I just knew that I wanted to provide a garden where these individuals could plant stuff, watch it grow, maintain it while it's growing and then sell the produce. Yes. That is just literally where my head went, you know? And so until I had the actual physical space to do that, I couldn't provide that. Mm-hmm. But um, when I did, I was able to, and we had a program. I see them every two weeks, um, sometimes three times a month, two different organizations. And they come, we have a planter box here where they would plant their own vegetables and grow them. And then every few months we'd have a farmer's market during our public hours and they'd sell like the tomatoes or from our orange tree, they'd pick the orange oranges and sell them to my customers. And, you know, I was going to make it a whole farmer's market, but then the pandemic hit. Yeah. Everything's on hold. They can't get transportation. It's been like so long since I've seen them, but I check in with the coordinators often and there's just nothing that can be done at this point and things aren't safe for everyone. So it is what it is, but Mm -hmm. it'll pick back up once things hopefully normalize. Well, that's incredibly inspiring and that's really, really kind of you and compassionate. I love that. Um, So what about, so you have a open, you're open to the public there, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. So Prickly Pear started right in my little apartment. Um, A few months after I started, my husband and I had found our first home to buy. Mm -hmm. So when we got that, I was like, listen, I can't afford a brick and mortar store. Why don't I just build this like carport in our backyard, put some tables, put all my plants, decorate it really nice, build a little do it at home greenhouse and Mm -hmm. open my house up to the public on Sundays. And I thought Sunday is like a chill day, right? Like people go to church, maybe they don't go to church and they like don't have much to do. It's like a chill day. It's a great day to go plant shopping. Yes. Um, And so, and it was in a neighborhood. I'm not a legitimate brick and mortar store. I don't want to bother my neighbors. So I said Sundays were my only public hours. And then that quickly turned into Monday through Saturdays. I would host private events, which was just people would book pot and sips, which is a thing that I do. And it was inspired by paint and sips, but I'm no painter, Mm -hmm. but I can definitely plant a little plant and keep it alive. And so that's where pot and sips came. And so that's where the concept of like, I really was only open on Sundays for many years. And then when I came to our final location where prickly pear has really expanded and just bloomed, um, I expanded to public hours being Thursday through Sunday. Okay. And then we still host private events every day of the week. Um, you know, when we're booked, it looks like a beautiful piece of property. People get married there, huh? Yeah. So it's, it's very multifunctional space and it is again, just a house, but it's in an area that's zoned for residential and commercial use. Mm -hmm. And so we've converted the house 
and the entire yard, which is a quarter acre. So it's a really large lot Mm -hmm. um, into a desert garden oasis venue. And when you walk back here, it just feels like you're walking through Narnia, like that door where you're like, where did I just enter? And um, it is, it just, it's turned into this incredible venue and, you know, a lot of people in the community have been a part of it. I had a female architect in town who designed the greenhouse we have, and we have this beautiful awning over our big desert garden that protects the plants. And she designed that. Um, when we moved to this location, I was on crutches because I had just had my surgery. 30 people showed up. I've never met in my life at our house to move all my plants and plant them uh-huh. in the ground new location so you know this place has just constantly been a place of unity and love and it still feels that way so it's been a a beautiful community space wow what a dream come true and what a what a beautiful journey yeah it's wild that's rad so yeah so what's what's next for the prickly pear you know i everything has really come to fruition with the space and it's crazy because when it was in my backyard which we still currently live there um, the, the woman who owns the space, the prickly pear now is like now that it exists in this new space, which it's been here since 2018. So it only happened like a year later after I started, mm. um, she heard about me and my little business in my backyard through our local newspaper article. Cool. And she literally reached out to me and asked me to buy her house because she didn't want a developer to get it because it was a really hot area Mm. and she got cash offers from neighbors like all sorts of stuff she didn't Uh. have to go through me who needed to get a loan and all this stuff and um you know it when that happened and then when i found out from the city that it was zoned for low-grade commercial as well it was like destiny right i was like okay i'm pretty sure this is my purpose like i really need to just dive in deep and so I've implemented different three things through the years that have now become what it is when you see it on social media or you see on my website, all the things that we do. Um, and the team does in the shipping fulfillment with our e-commerce store. There's a lot of things. It's really cool. Um, but the goal is to continue to have it here. I've considered, you know, I haven't considered people have been like, don't you want to go to like a brick and mortar area where it's like a plaza? And I said, no, never. Like, the whole beauty of this space is that it's so outside the box. And when people walk in, they're just like, wow. And so I think that the future holds more um, sustainable uh, implementation of product uh, because I have grown into a space where I actually manufacture my own products. Mm-hmm. And I have a local manufacturer that's female owned. So she sources the ingredients, the formulas, the, the packaging, and she's all about Mama Earth too. So I think I kind of want to lead that in the sense where I want people to know you can have really nice quality things that are sustainably made and mindfully, you know, chosen, like the product and the ingredients and the packaging. Yeah. Well, you have a unique approach that sets you apart from other uh, people in this business for lack of a better term, uh, having a, being in a neighborhood, having the homey vibe, you know, being on site yeah. too constantly, I'm sure makes yeah. such a difference. You can really like, yeah. it's your whole life. Right. You know? So there's a lot of passion that maybe gets missed out on when you, you have to drive over to your, your spot in the morning and 
you know what I mean? And yeah, it's different. And it's like nine to five and you're in a I know. plaza. And yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think what I, I often, so I book, you know, a lot of people book ven this as a purely just a venue space. It's a very unique property. So it's hard to explain until you actually come and visit it, visit mm -hmm. it. But we can continue having public hours while we have private events, like a wedding will be going on. And then in the front half of the property, there's customers buying plants that cool. have no association to the wedding you know, that's like totally private. Um, but yeah, I think that it's so important for you to love what you're doing. And I think that's everything, everyone's goal. Right. And I always tell people when I get pot and sips booked often, um, I, I host them myself and mm -hmm. I will do a 15 minute introduction and tell them about how I started the prickly pear and entrepreneurship and the good and the bad of all of it. Um, and I think I always touch on during those talks before the pot and sip actually starts that I think our goal in life is to find purpose, right? Yes. I mean, to be able to apply purpose to what we're doing. If you don't feel like you're applying purpose to what you're doing, it doesn't fulfill you and it leaves empty voids inside of you. And I think that it's so important for people to figure out their talent. And sometimes I think mm -hmm. that that word holds a negative connotation and people think that word can't be applied to them. Like I don't have talent. Uh, Beyonce has talent. Like, you know, you look at it, like they'll divide it so heavily. Sure. And um, I think everyone, I try to tell everyone, every single person on this planet was put here and has a talent. Yes. And our life goal is to figure out what that talent is. And you're not going to figure it out until you keep trying you keep pushing yourself and you keep failing until it all, you know, it starts to evolve. Absolutely. And the failing is painful, man. When you fail, it hurts. And that's, I think people get lost in that hurt feeling. Mm. And our goal is to come out stronger from that and apply what we learned. And once you can find your talent and you apply the purpose behind it, that's what cultivates authenticity and that's what makes you feel and people can feel the authenticity that you're trying to share. Yeah. Failure can be really discouraging, but I I'm a firm believer in, uh, in our struggle, we can find our greatest strength, you know, Agreed. you can turn all of that and channel it. And I mean, be patient with yourself for sure. Like, you know, you're 36 now you said, right. Right. Took you right. 36. And who was like, I mean, I look like I'm 23, but it's fine. You know, but it's like, I, who would have thought I have no idea to this day. People will be like, how did you start? Did you go to school for this and this and that? And I'm like, no, dude, I did not go to school for this. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I still have to, you know, constantly dive into things super scared, yeah. but that's going to be those moments that dictate your life. And the goal is figure out how to get past the fear. Yeah. And sure, it didn't happen overnight. And I'm sure there were plenty of other ventures that you attempted over the years, right? Oh, yeah. So many. I mean, I remember applying. I had created this new role. I had been with my boss for five years as a dental hygienist. And I had hired new hygienists. Like, I felt like I was a part of building this company. And I created this role to be a hygiene coordinator to help all the hygienists feel valued and feel like they had all their instruments and the things they needed and, and just happy and, and increase retention um, as you're for my employer. And I created this whole PowerPoint. And I remember spending six months doing this and trying to convince them. And I create this role 
he tells me he's going to give it to me, but then he gives it to a girl that I actually hired for the company. Mm. And I was like, what? Like I was so hurt and things like that. He did that because he made a smart decision. He made actually the smartest decision for his company because I was a wild card. Although I showed like how good I was in these certain departments, I was still a wild card. And ultimately because where I'm at today, I was meant for something else. And it's so hard to see that stuff. And I've had multiple things like that where it was just shut down. I put everything into it and it didn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's just part of it. Yeah. And if we go back to the earliest part of your story, it started with heartbreak, which probably could have felt like nothing was going right in your life. You know, maybe some of the darkest times and then it turns into you're got this beautiful plant collection and all of this is really inspiring. Right. It's really wild. So yeah, it is interesting and it's fun to continue to evolve with it. And I have, you know, made mistakes myself, even throughout building prickly pear. Mm. And I think the most important part as a business owner is to hold yourself accountable as much as you can and be transparent in that accountability. And if you make a misstep, don't shy away. Don't sugarcoat it. Just go straight at it. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else is going to think of you. It matters about what you think of yourself. Yes. And if you're not, if you're not being honest and you're giving lies out just to make yourself feel protected, that will ultimately destroy you in the long run. Mm. And, you know, a a false foundation has no longevity. Mm. I was going to ask you, what kind of, was there any advice that you would give to somebody that's trying to get started in, in, on a plant business? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's not a trend. Like Mm. you can't see that it's so they're so cool. And look at these, this, it's like, you, you really have to get to know your product, right? So Mm. that means it has to be something you love and enjoy. You're going to eat it, sleep it, breathe it. And I was just um, like, abnormally obsessed with these plants before I even, it was never part of my plan to make it a business. And so I think that even if you're like an entrepreneur and you're like, I know I have this strength, I need to implement this strength somewhere. I think you still need to reflect on what do you love? Yes. What makes you happy? What brings you joy? What do the things that bother you that you're like, I wish I could fix this. Like my husband is obsessed with garbage. He's like, if he doesn't work, he works for Tesla. Uh-huh. He's been with them for five years and he does the energy side of it. But okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm not trying to throw that into it, but he, um, but he, outside of that, he's obsessed with garbage. He's like, what can he always talks about? Like, I wonder if there's a way to like fix the garbage problem. Like there's gotta be better options. Like he's always thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately down the road, he'll probably do something with garbage. And it's like, you know, those are the things where it's like, you got to reflect in your life. And what are you drawn to? Are you drawn to brewing, brewing beer? Are you drawn to, you know, drawing? Are you drawn to clay? Like, you know, are you drawn to plants? Um, I wouldn't just, I just don't think being an opportunistic person with something you don't like is smart with is smart. And it's, you know, it's always painfully obvious who's doing that too. So I know, you know, it, I know. Totally. And that's what set men because there's so much competition in the plant world. That's what sets people apart is that authenticity yeah. anyways. So, you right. 
Right. And I, I do think that I have a little bit, I love entertaining. I have always been a little entertainer since I was little. And so bring, and then the sense of entertaining, I like, I love bringing people joy. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have this like capacity to give out joy and I want other people to feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of my parents and it is a privilege to even have two parents that have provided that kind of experience for me. And I feel like I want to share it with others as much as possible. And so um, I don't know how I got on that subject, but no. yeah. No, that's great. You know, I'm a, actually a substance abuse counselor and uh, sell plants on the side. Those are my two things. And I'm this conversation has really inspired me, really pushes me, but I've been trying to find where those collide, or, you know, where they intersect, find a way to have them come together. I do group cool. therapy sometimes and I bring plants, like we'll plant, but cool. uh, I want to, do it on my own, you know, not work yeah. at a treatment yeah. center. So yeah, I'm hoping that, that that's in the, in the near future here. So you do installations too, right? I do. The, I, the Christmas tree one. Oh my God. And the, the cock know, and balls. Crazy. I mean, it's so wow. funny. I know it's funny because when I first started prickly pear, I was like, I, I would make like plant installations for myself but mm -hmm. I like never thought about doing it for other people and then I had some random realtor reach out to me to do like redo his backyard and mm -hmm. I was like in there he's like have you done it before I was like oh yeah I'm like no I've never freaking done that but there's a little bit of bs to like <laughs> sure. there's a little fake bit of bs to it. like yeah you gotta fake it a little bit like where you're like okay I think I can do this like if I fail then I fail but I think I can do this and so um that's really where it started and that was like the first four months and I couldn't even do it right. Cause I was like hobbling on my hip and all this stuff, but I made it work. And, um, yeah, I, I do plant installations. And I think that's probably when you asked about like, what are some of the, what does the future hold for prickly pear? I, I definitely think I'm going to continue cultivating the existing space. I'm not trying to expand this to another location. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure prickly pear is going to stay right here. And cause it's just such an amazing space as is, and there's already a lot of room to grow on this property, but, um, I would love to continue building the product lines I have. Um, but the plant installations are huge for me. I actually got this crazy gig that I can't share that was booked at a concert pre-COVID, but then the concert got canceled mm. and I was going to do a big plant installation for this stage and all the things. So, you know, my goal really is to continue doing plant activations and plant, you know, design for, you know, homes and businesses. Cool. Yeah. The Christmas tree was really cool. The Christmas tree is fun. I'm going to be making it again this year and I got, I'm going to up my game from last year. So we'll see how it goes. So there was something that I noticed on your page that I wanted to ask you about. It was a penis succulent installation. What happened with that? Oh, yeah. What yeah, definitely. Um, That's probably one of my best pieces of work, to be honest, because I don't I, I remember like thinking of it. The idea came from Bretman Rock. Mm. Um, If you guys have heard of him, he's pretty fucking fabulous. Uh, he, you know, is a plant person and he started posting about cocktises. <laughs> and so I, I remember, I think it was pre pandemic or right when the pandemic happened, he had posted something on his story saying some girl was complaining that he talks about his plants too much. And he was like, you know, fuck that something. I can't remember what he said. He mm -hmm. said something like this hoe is complaining about 
you know, me talking about my plants, but I'm gonna keep talking about my plants and all this <laughs> stuff. And he's like, and I'm gonna make a plant page and a plant Instagram. And so I commented back on his story. You know, we all do that, never thinking he'd ever, ever see it with millions and millions of followers. Right. And I was like, I said something like, fuck these earth muffin hating hoes. I, <laughs> I love plants. I'll talk about plants forever. I'll send you a plant. Let me know. He responds back like three hours later and I'm in total shock. I'm like, what the, what the fuck just happened? And he's like, oh my God, send me plants. And he's like, that sounds awesome. He's like, you're so funny. And I was like, oh, cool. uh, I was like, okay, cool. And so we ended up just establishing a relationship that way. And we ended up, he ended up following me on his plant page. I think it's Bretman Root. And um, we still, you know, interact. And I made him the first of its kind. I'm pretty sure there's no penis wreath that exists in succulent form. <laughs> and I had my welder in town here, a local welder that's really amazing. Outline, um, uh-oh. It's okay. Oh no, you lost me. You. I can Did still you hear find you. me. Yeah. Um, he made me an outline of a penis. I drew it for him. And then I just designed it like a normal wreath with succulents. And he still has this wreath and the succulents are still like blooming wow. and doing well on there. And he, he featured it on his architect digest, like YouTube video. He was like, this is my penis wreath. I love it. And I'm like, it's just really funny so yeah it's really cool and so i still interact with him like through his plant page and i'll probably be sending him not probably i'm gonna drop a little news i'm sending him a life-size something this winter um in plant form so keep an eye out for that that's so funny that because i saw it on his page and i didn't put it together and then i saw it on your page today when i was looking through it but for those of you that don't know bretman rock he's this filipino guy and he's fucking hilarious you got to check out his yeah. page. he has a show now even too he's like on mtv yeah. i think yeah. so that's yeah, he cool. has an mtv show and he's like was at the met gala this like last week and he's just you know the greatest thing about him is that he's really truly just himself yes. in the sense of of like he is authentic but also he's like just kind of a kind he's a kind person mm. he's like you know and he loves plants and his family i'm pretty sure his relatives like they all are obsessed and have like plant i think maybe even a plant like wholesale place in hawaii where they're from yeah. like you know so he's again earth guys let's put earth first let's put the planet first the plants first like they make you happy they're healing they're amazing you know absolutely cool so would you be down to fill, fill some of these questions yeah all right so the cultivarist asked what is one of your best slash funniest memories of gardening oh gosh i have so many um okay I think, oh, I, I'll maybe think of something as I'm, you know, talking about this one, but I recently did a plant landscape. Um, oh, no, I have a better one. I had started making videos before reels ex existed on Instagram. I was doing like the videos and like posting some on YouTube. And I had made this whole video about how to stabilize and repot your pothos. Mm -hmm and add fresh soil and then put it in a bigger hanger pot. And I'm like videotaping the whole thing. And I spent so much time doing it and I hung it and I'm saying goodbye to the, the video and ending the video. And as I'm speaking, the entire 
Oh no. Picture falls down <laughs> behind me and splatters all over the ground. I ended up including that in the video because again, that was authentic, right? It's sure. like, that's actually what happens. And that happens to a lot of people. But another time, just one other thing that was really funny is I did a big landscape job and I have um, one employee who does shipping fulfillment, but he's also this buff guy who was a football player in the past. And mm-hmm. he, um, he helps me with landscaping with like extra muscles. And I thought him and I could move this whole plant. And this cactus was massive. I mean, like it was like nine feet tall. Mm. And I'm like, oh, we can do it. We've done big plants before. We ended up having to hire like four other people to help us move this thing because it was so heavy. So wow. yeah, just the unexpected. But I guess that's the most funny stuff that's happened. I saw that you used uh, in one of your videos. I was looking at your Instagram today to get ready for this and you included, you lost your train of thought on a, on a video and you included it. And I like that. It's like, it's real, you know, like you, yeah. you're like, it was a take. It was intentionally left in there. You could see like, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. And then it jumps on to yeah. the next thing. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I try to do I that mean, with the podcast. It's like, too. That's real. Yeah. It's like real, right? Yeah. It's like, and there's entertainment in the real stuff. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be so curated all the time. And I love, Hey, I love a, Sometimes I take a good curated photo or, you know, there's no harm in that, but just trying to keep it real and authentic and and all the avenues you play with is super important. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's see. We got from the cac from cactus Dan man. How did you come up with the kiss of death bug spray? Oh my gosh. So I have like every plant person, especially in the succulent world, mealybugs is like the death of us you know and scales and so i had tried all the natural stuff all the previous older mentors that i had that i collected plants from they said take soap water chili paste you know peppermint oil clove something and i remembered one lady which i thought would be more the most promising was like oh boil tobacco Hmm. and then extract the tobacco parts and then pour the water all over the root system in the plant. It just, it, it worked, but it didn't. That's crazy. And so I did everything. I mean, I mean for years. And so I really just stuck to like chili paste and rubbing alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, and it just wasn't that good. And a customer of mine, and I still would use it, you know, but then a customer of mine, um, who has nothing to do with like, she doesn't, she has a whole nother career doing something else. She's like, Hey, I have this like extract. My mom has of of ghost pepper extract. Like, do you want to try it? And I was like, sure. So then I blended it, my normal blend. And I used that pepper extract and you really have to use the right amount. So my formulator kind of put it all together. I have a formula girl in town, Mm -hmm. my manufacturer. And it was just like, what she had, we had made three versions of it. And, um, it was like, I couldn't believe it just worked so well. And I told this customer, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make this a product. Like, this is so cool. She's like, please make it a product. Like I would love, she's like, I don't know how to use it. I don't, it's really spicy. Like if you get that stuff on your hands, it, you know, Uh so that's how I created it. And I used it for myself for a long time. It worked really well. And so I, we spent about six months trying to bring it to market and we did. And now we want to make it even bigger 
but we have to go through registering it with California and um, the government. Mm -hmm. So we're actually going to be taking it off the market, which is so sad, but you have to do that in order to get it registered. Okay. Um, so we're just, <clears throat> that's how it started and that's how I created it. And now we'll probably put it back on the market in a few months. So all of you guys who are listening, this stuff works like magic on all foliage, succulents, cacti, tropicals, rares, your vegetable garden, your other gardens that we can't really speak of, you know, like <laughs> all sorts of stuff. It works like magic. Um, but we are going to be bringing it back to market in a few months. So Very and cool. then we can sell it on a mass level. Now, is this something you want to apply at night? Yeah. Um, you don't want to apply in the sun yeah. for sure. Okay. You want to definitely apply early morning because it dries out within like, if it's outside within 10 to 15 minutes, if it's inside 30 ish okay. um, and the aerosols, that's why you have to get it registered. Cause we use such a hot pepper mm. um, that it, it can be harmful, right? You, you don't want to put mace in your eye. Yeah. Right. Cause it gets itchy and you could blind yourself. So it's like kind of the same thing where it's like, we need to get this all registered so we can have the proper labeling, labeling on the product. We, we haven't had any bad reviews yet and it's been out for so long. So we're just excited to get it official. Legit. Cool. What other products are you manufacturing? You're doing skin products too, right? Yeah. So it's so funny cause it's, it's like what a plant lady has a skincare line. Like it's like kind of confusing, but um, <laughs> I used prickly pear seed oil on my face for years. And I remember being approached by this company right when I opened the prickly pear account because they use prickly pear oil mm -hmm. and they had this fancy bottle and it was $125 for a 30 milliliter bottle, like small, like the same size that I sell. And it was 130 bucks. And I used this stuff and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is magic. I will buy $130, save my money, won't drink, won't go out and buy this bottle every three months to use it on my skin because my skin was glowing and so happy and blended and took away that pimples, all the stuff. And so that's really how I was introduced to it. And so when I met my manufacturer in town, we had talked, I was like, listen, like maybe I can make my own oil and not be anything similar to that, completely my own formulation. And so... Um, I wanted it that that bottle had like 10 other ingredients in it that half of them I couldn't understand what they were mm. like is this all prickly pear seed oil or what right. and so we worked on a few blends that only had three ingredients that still only have three ingredients in them and I used them again the the R&D and like the process of like testing out product market to customer base a private customer base and all that and people loved it and they loved it just as much as me. And so I brought it to market and it's called PP body and the PP stands for prickly pear. And, um, and I have four oils and honestly it just keeps growing and it's really crazy to hear people's reviews. So very cool. Yeah. yeah I saw exciting. the pictures. I saw the pictures and the reviews uh, on your website. We just got a couple more questions and we'll wrap this up. Botanic yeah. cycles. What's a good lesson plants have taught you that can be applied to your life or to all life. Um, well, plants per literally promote patience mm. and we're not a very patient community. We're not a patient community worldwide. I mean, you go to the store now and you'll see a cactus with a flower, a fake flower glued on Ugh. it. 
and a guy want to vomit literally all over them every time I see it. And I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart when I have customers who send me pictures of their cactuses that are blooming. And they're like, it's had its bloom like all year round. And I'm like, that's not normal. Like this happens to me on a regular basis. Wow, like really? people, and it's not anyone's fault. It's you're not. not ignorant. You're not, you're, you're literally manipulated by our system. So I always try to, you know, teach people like the reason why nature is so amazing. The reason why our, our earth works is because it's patient and it's mindful and, and good things take time, right? Mm. Becoming a wise person takes time and experience. The earth is patient. It is wise and it works in a way to, to make everything balanced. So I would say that's, you know, my biggest thing. I love that. Absolutely love that. All right. He said, same guy, Botanic Cycle said, goats are awesome, but why do you like them? Um, so honestly, I like goats because the same reason why I like alpacas. You know, I grew up around farms in Arizona. I was more in the country um, and it was called Gilbert and Gilbert was not developed back then. And now it's crazy. It's super developed, but it was like all cotton fields. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of our neighbors had horses, like in the air general community, there was like horses, goats. And my mom was always taking us outside to someone's farm and asking if we could volunteer. And I loved doing that. And, um, I just think goats are just so sweet and they, they literally will come and stand by you and just not do anything. And just having an animal like that near you like is very calming. Yeah. Um, and a horse does the same thing, but a horse can be dangerous. Sure. Right. And a goat, you know, has the same kind of therapeutic value in my opinion. Um, and I also love goat cheese. Ooh, goat cheese is good. And it's not, oh, I love, love me some goat cheese. Easy so on the my goal is to, yeah. What, what'd you say? Easy on the stomach. Goat cheese. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. And my goal is to actually we're trying to buy a five acre farm and we'd like to have our own regenerative farm, cool. which is where we live off the land and we grow our own food. And and yeah. and my little girl, she's not um, spayed or the boys are castrated, so she mm. can't get pregnant. But when we have the appropriate land, we'd like to, like, you know, cultivate and grow our own food. Great. Love that. Final question. What's a good book you'd recommend? Oh, okay. Um, Ed Cartoli. I don't know if you guys have heard of Ed Cartoli. Mm. Um, he wrote The Power of Now. Okay. I've heard of that. And that has just become trendy. I'm telling you, my mom has been preaching this book since I can't even remember. Mm. She's been obsessed with Ed Cartoli forever and she's has given me two books by him um what she gave them to me like 10 years ago and now i'm all of a sudden seeing celebrities talk about the power of now and i'm like all right but you know mm. that's cool let that stuff trend because it's very powerful yeah um and there's a few other he has another one something with love mm. that are incredible books so i definitely recommend that mm. sounds like it's geared toward mindfulness yeah and like your power okay and how to tap into your purpose, but it's, it's spoken and written like so special. Mm. It's different. Very cool. Awesome. So where can everybody find you? 
Uh, you can look up our Instagram. It's the prickly pear and it's the dot prickly dot pear. Mm-hmm. Or you can visit our website at the prickly And uh, yeah, there's lots that is brewing for the future. So you can definitely keep up and I try to keep it fun, fabulous and mindful. I would say you've succeeded at that and you did an excellent <laughs> job in this interview. Thank you so much, Mona. Yes, thank you for having me. Cool, stick around for a second. If everybody could please like, review, and subscribe to the podcast and hit that share button, I would appreciate that. Bye.